time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Yeah, it's wintertime and it's cold outside and you're probably like me. You're, you're staying indoors a lot, trying to keep warm, depending on where you are. You could be in a part of the world or part of the country that's enjoying a heat wave. And if you are, well, then, you know, those of us who are freezing are jealous of you, but that's okay. Hey, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. I'm Jeff Kinley, and I am so humbled to know that you have tuned in and are listening today. We have a, a great subject to talk about today. This is podcast number 121, and God has been so good to allow me to make these broadcasts for you, and um, I want to talk about a subject today uh, here in just a minute that's very, very important to me and my life right now, but, uh, but first, I just wanted to remind you that um, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, maybe this is your first time to hear, or maybe it's, um, you know, someone recommended it to you or whatever, but you can just go to that little subscribe button that's there on uh, your device, wherever you're listening to it right now, or if you're listening online, you can also subscribe there on podomatic.com uh, or on wherever you're listening. Uh, but that way you get notifications about when a new podcast is released. And typically I release on Monday mornings and Friday mornings. And that gives you sort of a little bit of a bookend in your week of some solid teaching, some great biblical truth that you can um, marinate in your mind and and uh, talk about uh, to yourself and to your friends. Okay, so so enough chatter. Hey, a few years ago, um, I was approached about writing a book called As It Was in the Days of Noah and about how Bible prophecy really does help prepare us uh, for uh, what's going to happen in this world. And um, that book uh, was enormously successful and enabled me to write some more books. And uh, so I followed that up with Wake the Bride, where I take you through Revelation and an overview of Bible prophecy, just through that whole book there. Uh, from that, I wrote a book with Dr. Mark Hitchcock called The Coming Apostasy, Exposing the Sabotage of Christianity from Within. There's so much happening within the Christian church right now that most churchgoers are oblivious to. Uh, but we're being eaten away like termites, doctrinally speaking. Then I follow that up with a book called The End of America, Bible Prophecy in a Country in Crisis. Uh, where are we in Bible prophecy? Is America even mentioned? If we are, where are we? If we're not mentioned, then why not? What happens to America? And then my latest book is called Uncovering the Secrets of Bible Prophecy, uh, 10 Keys to Discovering What Scripture Really Says About about what's going to happen, about what, how to understand prophecy, about how to crack the Bible code on it, how to recognize false prophets, how to uh, develop biblical discernment. And, you know, here's the deal. Uh, with these five books on prophecy that I've written, one of the biggest questions that comes uh, at the, at, towards the end of, uh, you know, reading these books type thing is I really want the reader and those who hear my voice to know that, that uh, Bible prophecy is something that is incredibly applicational to our lives. Uh, this is not future truth to just store up, you know, up in the attic of our mind to kind of pull down one day and look at. This is stuff for the here and now. And God has placed you and I in a time of history where we are literally seeing the prophetic signs that we see in the book of Revelation begin to converge together. Now, we don't know when they're going to actually converge, but we do see them in formation. You know, it's like when, when a, uh, an expectant mother goes to get an ultrasound. You know, she doesn't see the baby as the baby's going to be, but she sees, you know, how the baby's being formed. 
and she sees, oh, look, there's an arm, or there, look, there's his head, or, or an eyeball, or whatever. And um, <clears throat> that's exactly what we're seeing right now with Bible prophecy. God is giving you and I, in, in essence, the ultrasound of the world and of prophecy, what's going on. We can actually see these things in formation. Uh, things like globalization and, and the rebirth and regathering of Israel and the temple uh, plans being drawn up. As, as the Bible said, there's going to be a Jewish temple in the end times. We see the technology uh, for the mark of the beast. All these things are coming together. Many, many more signs of Christ's return. So the real question is, uh, number one is you need to know about those things. Don't be ignorant. 28% of the Bible was prophetic when it was written, and we are living in those times right now. So the real question is, so what do I do about it? Because, you know, we as Christians in today's age, uh, we want to know what's in it for us. You know, we live in an Instagram world, in a Snapchat uh, society, and uh, in, in a place where you just go and get some information from Facebook or Twitter and take it home with you. And sometimes, Sometimes that mentality bleeds over into our, our spirituality and our Christian lives. What ends up happening is, is we just want to get by just, you know how you, when you're a kid, you just go through the kitchen, just grab a cookie on your way out the door. You know, that's the way we approach God sometimes. That's the way we approach his word. We just want to grab a cookie and be on our way. Now it's got to taste good. It's got to be something we enjoy, you know, but uh, and that's sad because sometimes, you know, the, the scripture is very challenging and even disturbing. Uh, but we need to take time to dig into God's word. Just, hey, hey, time out, relax. Just take a few minutes here. You know, shut the world out, turn your phone over or turn it off or leave it in the other room. You know, don't check your computer and just sit and open up the Bible and let God speak to you because that's the primary way he speaks is through the scripture now he communicates in our spirit and he speaks through you know books and things like that but that those those are not god's voice okay so don't don't even pay attention to a book that pretends to speak directly for god like this jesus calling book type thing it's just it's just rotten to the core where that comes from but here's the point you and I need to prepare for the return of Jesus Christ as if it was coming very soon. So the real question is, how can we be different as a result of knowing about what God says in Bible prophecy? And, and you know, this is a good thing because this is where in the scripture, God seems to be very specific and, and very, um, he prioritizes this whole thing because he wants his bride to be ready. Because think about this, just real quickly. Think about the days of your life for which you have prepared in the past. You know, maybe it was a graduation or a wedding. Maybe it was your wedding. Uh, maybe it was the, uh, the day of your daughter or son's birth. Uh, maybe it was, you know, some other, you know, red-letter day in your life. Well, there is no greater red-letter date for the Christian than the coming of Jesus uh, for his church. And so, in fact, Christ even says uh, to us through John, in 1 John 2, verses three, 2 through 3, it says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet appeared as what we will be. Thank God for that. But we know that when he appears, he will be, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And then it says, and everyone who has this hope, what hope? The blessed hope 
of Christ's return for his church. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so the question then becomes, you know, what are some things we can do that can help us to prioritize that coming day, whenever it might be? And we don't know when it's going to be, but how can we do that? Okay. So I want to talk about that for uh, just a little bit. We don't want to be like the bride who's unprepared for her own wedding. How, how strange would that be? Uh, we want to be like a bride who knows that Jesus Christ is coming. And, you know, the sad thing is, is that in the back of our minds in the American church, at least, and we kind of know he's coming at some point, but we don't really, don't really live like that. We don't really act like he is going to come back one day. So let me give you just a couple of practical principles that I think we can uh, draw out of this passage, 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Here's the first thing. It says, that we are the children of God because of his great love for us. See, that's why you're a Christian. You did not stumble on God. You and I did not find God. God found you. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, that you weren't looking for God. You, you know, you weren't seeking after God. In fact, it says no man seeks after God. No, not one. You say, wait a minute, Jeff, I was, I was reading religious books. I was going to church. I was reading the Bible. You know, isn't that seeking for God? Well, the Holy Spirit was drawing you and putting those things in your heart. But when you match up what really happens with what the Bible says happened, according to the Bible, you were not seeking God. God was drawing you. Now, sometimes we seek the things that God gives, but we're not seeking God himself. I mean, when you started off and you're quote unquote search for God, if, if you had a search, you know, or you think it was a search, were you really thinking, man, I, I really want to die to myself and lose my life so that I might find it. I want to serve others the rest of my life. I want to change my completely change my way of thinking about life and culture and self and, and marriage and fame. I want to change all. No, you probably weren't thinking that. You see, the Bible says that it is the Father who draws us to the Son. And so if you if you were in some type of what you call a search, it's because the Father was really drawing you. So it was really his romancing you rather than you chasing after him. But the whole idea of this is, is what he's saying is that salvation did not originate with even our desire to become Christians. I mean, according to Ephesians 1.4, Jesus uh, excuse me, the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Do you realize what that means? That before earth was, God said, I choose you. Now you can unpack that. In fact, you should. You should read Romans 9 through 11 and make sure that your seatbelt is buckled before you do because it'll rock your world. But God says he chose you. So apart from his sovereign choosing love, we would never seek God. We would never find, find salvation because we're just rotten to the core. We're born in sin. Ephesians 2, 1 through 9 tells us about we were dead in sin, our trespasses. So the good news about this whole prophetic idea of Jesus coming back is that it reminds us that we are children of God because of his great love for us. And as Psalm 3, verse 8 says, salvation belongs to the Lord. You know, another great truth out of this passage here is it tells us that our future transformation is certain, is certain. It says we will be like him. 
You know, one of John's favorite words in the gospel and in his epistles is the word no, K-N-O-W, no. And, you know, today in our culture and sometimes even in the church, we don't like to, to be certain about anything. Oh, well, you know, it's what your opinion is, what you think, what you believe. God says, you know. I mean, at no point does God say, well, you should think about these things, that they might be true sometime, possibly, maybe, if this happens. No, he says that you may know. It's okay to know. It's okay to be sure. And it's even okay to be dogmatic about what you believe and about what you know. Don't you love this kind of confident language? I mean, John's not guessing. He's not hoping. He's not wishing. He's saying that the assurance of our salvation's completeness one day is greater than just, you know, some mind trick to keep us happy until that day. You know, it's, it's an assurity that we get. And the word hope here and throughout the whole New Testament that John uses simply means a confident expectation. Now, you can wish for things that you want to come true, but you expect the things that you know are going to be true and are going to happen, you know? And so John says, uh, this is not, you know, just some sort of entitlement mentality, but he's saying when he appears, not if he appears or should he one day appear. See, that's also a coming certainty, not just the fact that we'll be changed, but the fact that he is coming back. And, you know, that's something that you can bank on there. Hey, listen, you got to admit, there are not a whole lot of things in life you can really bank on that you can just, you know, just lay the hammer down and say, I know it for a fact, you know, it's going to happen. But God says this is going to happen. <laughs> so we can trust him on that. So salvation originated with God. Our future transformation is certain, is certain for us. Third, we read about in this in verse two, it says, we, what, what we understand about God, his eternal purpose and our salvation is presently limited. We can know what God has told us we can know, but there are things we don't know, right? Listen, our finite minds cannot possibly comprehend the full measure about what is going to be revealed to us one day. You know why? Because we're going to have to get whole new bodies, heavenly bodies, to be able to comprehend, withstand the revelation of heaven. I mean, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we'll see face to face. That's a huge change, by the way. Now, Paul says, I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. So our knowledge and experience here are partial. Presently, they're partial. But one day, they're going to be made complete. And see, this is God's uh, way of just saying to us, hang on, you ain't seen nothing yet. So whatever you know about God that's great, whatever you have experienced about him that is wonderful, you haven't seen anything yet. Because right now, you know, we're just in the lobby. You know, we haven't even been able to go into the main auditorium yet uh, to experience what's going to happen when we get to heaven. And then fourthly, he says in verse three, he says, fixing our hope on Jesus and his return has a purifying effect on all of us. You know, think back if you're a, if you're a lady, think back to uh, your wedding day and how you prepared yourself for that wedding day. And, you know, one of the ways you did that was you walked away from all the other loves that you had, all the other dependent relationships that you had with friends and with, you know, boyfriends and with parents. Now, you, you could have been previously courted by many men, 
But now only one man occupies your mind. Only one man is waiting for you at that altar. And because of that, you've been set apart for that man. And you have prepared yourself for that man. And there's a certain uh, purity, a certain innocence that comes with that because you're committed to your future husband. And the Bible says, because we are Christ's bride, we must also purify ourselves as we anticipate his return. In fact, the word that John uses here for purifies in verse 3 of 1 John 3 is the word hagnizo. And it's it's a really uncommon word uh, in the New Testament. It's only used um, like one other time. In fact, John's the one that, that uses it. He was talking about Jews purifying themselves for preparation for the Passover in John eleven fifty five. But this word, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's used twice, actually, once referring to newly freed Hebrews preparing themselves to encounter God at Mount Sinai after leaving Egypt. And the other time, it was referring to the Levites purifying themselves from sin before presenting the tabernacle offerings. So you say, well, what's the point of that? Well, the point is, There's a cause-effect relationship between hoping in Jesus' appearance and the purity of our lives. If you know you're going to be picked up for the date, you get ready. If you know you're getting ready to be taken out somewhere special, you get ready. And so God wants us to be purified just like Christ uh, is purified. In other words, he wants us to be obedient children, uh, not being conformed to our former desires, as 1 Peter 1, 14 tells us. But be like the Holy One who called you. Be holy and also all your behavior because it's written you should be holy because I am holy. And Jesus was dependent upon the Father as he walked the earth. We're to be like that too. That's, that's a purification too. It's not just a moral purification. It's a purification of our, our focus and our direction and our desires. You know, I, I'm, I'm probably like you are, you know, you, or you're probably like me rather, is that you find yourself pulled in many different directions in your life. And sometimes, quite frankly, it's um, it's hard to just shut everything out and just seek God in your life. That kind of purifying focus. And, you know, that led Jesus, the God-man, that led him to make decisions that were in line with his Father's desires. You see, Christ's delight was in the Father, and in return... The Father gave Jesus the desires that brought the most glory to the Father. So as the Messiah, Jesus Christ had this singular ambition, something that was more important, according to John 4, to him than even eating. He said, my constant passion is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Can you say the same thing? That your overriding constant passion in life is to do the will of him who has saved you? and who has sent you into the world. My goodness. I mean, that's a challenge, isn't it? And that's a reality that we get just out of that single passage telling us about the return of Jesus Christ. So the question then becomes, what what do you need to do? What do we need to do in our lives to sort of do some inventory here at the first part of the year and just say, you know, I think I could do without that this year. Or I'm going to set this aside for a period of time or that kind of thing. Don't broadcast your, you know, your commitments to God to everybody in the world, and don't tell everybody you're going to go on a fast and that kind of thing. Don't don't display your righteousness to everyone. Just let it be between you and God. Maybe a couple of close friends or family members. The main idea is you're purifying yourself. You're getting ready 
as a bride preparing herself for that day that you don't know when's co- when it's coming. And yet, my friend, it is coming. How do we know it's coming? Because the Bible tells us that. And Jesus has backed it up with his resurrection. So prepare yourself for the coming bridegroom. I'll talk to you on Friday. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.